Yeah, it is a lot of work. And without that system that you put in place, it's gonna make it a lot harder. Did I think I was ever gonna be doing videos on password managers? No, absolutely not. And to this day, I still don't really understand why I'm doing that, right? Those are somewhat of intended setbacks because you have to pause at that point, do a little bit of assessment or analysis or, or education, and then start taking those steps forward. Skills compound off of each other. And I think that's the key. The people who pay attention and, and survive the longest are the ones that are really kind of stuck with the biggest market share. Who says tech can't be human? What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I am super excited to have a very, very special guest with me today. We're going to be talking about how to be a little bit more creative in this world of cybersecurity. My special guest this episode is Jason Rebholz. Jason is the Chief Information Security Officer at Corvus Insurance and also a fellow creator who has created an awesome YouTube channel teaching people cyber. You can find it by visiting youtube.com forward slash at teach me cyber. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So I've been excited for this episode for a while. You reached out to me, I want to say like beginning of this year. And, you know, we had a call. We talked all about how to create content. Like you talked about some of your processes. I gave you a peek under the hood of Hacker Valley. And one thing I've noticed since we met is you've not only not slowed down, but you've increased the pace. And I don't know how you do it because you're a CISO as well. Uh, but let's start off with just giving uh, myself and also the audience a little bit of your background. How did you make your way into becoming a CISO today? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long journey, uh, not one that I really ever predicted, uh, <laughs> but I think that's just life. Uh, so it, for me, it really goes back to uh, when I was in college, when I started looking for full-time jobs, uh, I just really stumbled across uh, this job posting by Mandiant. Uh, and at that time, they were just getting known as one, being one of the leading IR companies that's out there. Uh, and I applied for a job I wasn't qualified for. Uh, but by just by sheer luck, they just started looking for college hires. And so... Uh, for me, that was the opportunity that uh, that really kind of catapulted the rest of my career. Uh, and so, you know, if you look at my career overall, it's just a series of fortunate timing uh, and just a series of opportunities that came up and I just took full advantage of. And so I spent the better part of a decade doing incident response. So the bulk of that was at Mandiant, where I did investigations into nation state threats uh, into hacktivists, if you re remember Anonymous and Lulzsec, I did a bunch of oh, investigations yeah. into those guys. Uh, and then where I found my passion was in financial crime, uh, where I would go in and investigate credit card breaches. And so uh, I was at Mandiant for about six years uh, and then you know, went through an acquisition where FireEye bought Mandiant uh, and wanted to get back to a smaller company. And that's what really started my startup career. And so I've, I've been in startups ever since then. Uh, went to a company called Crypsis Group, uh, and built out their professional services, uh, doing incident response. Uh, I then did another startup that was in the network detection and response space. Uh, they eventually got acquired by Gigamon. Uh, Co-founded a company that focused in on business recovery. So when a company gets hit with ransomware, we would 
go in and bring IT resources to help them get back up and running. Uh, and after doing instant response for that long, trying to leave it once and finding my way back in it, uh, <laughs> I needed a break. You know, I was just getting burned out. I was tired of IR. Uh, I tell people all the time that, you know, I played the, the, the final boss of IR. I beat it. I don't need to play that game again. Uh, and so uh, I started trying to figure out what is it that I want to do next? And I was having a conversation with uh, a friend and uh, was just figuring out, like, you know, do I go do, you know, go to another startup, you know, start something myself or do I try my hand at the CISO role? And uh, the words that he said stuck with me is that everybody loves a former CISO. Uh, and so <laughs> I said, great, let me <laughs> let me go try this. And it was interesting because, uh, you know, when you're trying to step into that CISO role, it's not as straightforward as you think it is, especially for somebody that grew up in IR, because I think there's this stigma that in order to be a, an effective CISO, you have to have grown up in industry where like you're you know building out programs and you know running large programs, and that's certainly valuable. But uh, I think the the component there with the IR side is that you have a more pragmatic approach to security. You know what's actually happening. Uh, and so for me, it was just, you know, navigating through that and really figuring out what the right fit was uh, for me, because not all, all CISO roles are are, uh, are created equal. They look very different depending on the company you're going with. And so, you know, thankfully with Corvus Insurance, uh, you know, found a really good spot where I could do the internal security side of the house, but also spend my time, you know, focused in on threat intel. Uh, is focused on working with our policyholders to try to keep them safe. So it really kind of grounds me in my IR roots, where it's you know s you know stick to consulting sort of thing, um, but really <laughs> help build a program out as well. So it's it's been an interesting journey to say the least. Oh, you got to thank your friend because that is some good advice. Everybody loves a former CISO. I feel like CISOs are getting all the love <laughs> right now from vendors, from practitioners. Everybody does love a CISO. And I would imagine that that was probably part of the reason why you started creating content. What was uh, the origin story there about you getting into the content space? Uh, so I, I feel like uh, so many good origin stories. It got it started with me being angry about something. <laughs> so I was, uh, you know, at the time I was starting to build out our, our, the threat intel function at Corvus and. As I was starting to source more and more information, I was I was reading an article on bleeping computer one day, and I, I love bleeping computers, so don't get me wrong uh, on it. I think they do a really good job. But I remember this vividly as one of those flashbulb memories where I'm reading through a news report on something, and there was these screenshots from Ida Pro, which is a you know malware reverse engineering tool that you can rip uh, apart a piece of malware and look at the the code inside of it. And I was like, no one is going to understand this, no one. And so what I realized there, as I was like started just scouring more and more articles was that there really wasn't a good mechanism for people to understand how attacks really happen and get that across in a very simple and easy to understand way. And you know, when I started just digging into it more, I just found more and more things where you have all of these courses that are out there that are teaching things that honestly don't matter. Right? You know, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody who was doing uh, one of these boot camps, and they're talking about uh, they were doing some like art poisoning attack. And I'm like, that's cool. You know, I remember doing that myself in labs, but that's just not how attacks happen, right? Uh, right. And so, you know, for me, it was 
this kind of mission started where, you know, if I'm going and looking at this information anyway, I have a reaction to it. And I did IR for so long that if I can give a real world example in very easy to understand ways that anyone can pick it up, whether you're technical or not technical, uh, for me, that became kind of my own little mission there. Uh, you know, just take something super complex and boil it down in its core essence and getting it across in a way that anyone can learn from it. Love that. I love that. And one of the things I love about your content in general is just how short and consumable it is. I could, I could have a busy day, watch this one minute to five minute video. I think like some of your longer ones were 12 minutes. And I think breaking that down into something that is digestible rather than fully comprehensible is a lot more important for someone to be successful. And I see that you have a lot of content on multi-factor authentication. That's one of the ones that is like a, a area of opportunity for defenders and area of opportunity for the individuals that is just immediate, immediately available. And it seems like we still have a little bit of friction jumping onto that. Yeah. And, you know, MFA is such an interesting topic right now because we, we all say anyone in security will say MFA is a really, really, really good thing to do. Right. And it's just like it's the perfect example in security where it's just like, yes, you want to do that. But the way you do it is much more important <laughs> than just having it. Uh, and so that, that's the thing that's fascinating to me. And it's been uh, it's been really fun digging into the nuances and you know, with the emergence of pass keys now and just like digging into the tech behind that. Uh, yeah, it's just really interesting to me because it's just not all MFA forms are right. <laughs> and, you mm -hmm. know, I'm still having conversations today where people are like, yeah, we're going to put MFA in place. We're going to use SMS. I'm just like, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. Bef before you do that, there are better options. And here's why. And even the ones that are touted as like the industry standard, things like, you know, MFA push uh, notifications and even just like, you know, the things on your phone with uh, the one-time passwords, like attackers have ways to get around that. And they've mm -hmm. had that for years and years and years. Now, you know, we're still seeing attacks where MFA is not even enabled. So attackers haven't really needed to lean on that. But let's imagine a world where tomorrow, all of a sudden everyone has MFA we're still not really all that much better off because attackers will just use these toolkits. So, uh, I mean, that's just like the game of security. It's just a constant ma uh, uh, game of uh, cat and mouse. Um, but like without that understanding of how the attacks work, you would think that, oh yeah, any form of MFA is fine. We're gonna be in a good spot. Right. So let's, uh, let's go back for a second, right? Because you're mentioning that part of the reason why you wanted to create content was to really make it a little bit easier for everyone to consume. Somebody was showing off IDA Pro. I've always thought that that was crazy when someone puts IDA Pro in a blog, because what am I going to do with that information? This is almost like now you're just trying to flex, like you're just right? showing that you have reverse engineering skills. <laughs> so yes, we get it. We're impressed. You, you, <laughs> you can read assembly. Very proud of you. When you look back at when you first got started in creating content and now what were your goals like what were your goals then and you know how have they changed over time yeah it's you know i think when i first started it was really about just awareness and you know i i had something to say uh and i've been doing this long enough where i felt that you know i i, I had some truth there right <laughs> and some uh and i think that's really what i was trying to get at is you know how can i help up level an industry right and whether it's somebody that is just breaking into cyber and trying to help them make that easier, or whether it's you know internally at Corvus, like how can I help our underwriters better understand the different controls? 
um, it turned in at one point salespeople, right? You know, they, you know, how can mm -hmm. I help them better understand the stuff they're selling? Right. And so that was really the original mission was how do I get this into a position where, you know, somebody can watch a video and have a good understanding of the topic and be able to take that into a conversation moving forward. Uh, and I think that was, <clears throat> that still today is kind of the core goal. And I think that's important because like, I never went into this thinking about, you know, how can I, uh, you know, how can I monetize all this stuff? How can I, you know, grow a following to whatever, right? Like even to this day, that stuff is just a byproduct, but that core mission is still the same. And what I found is that there's just like micro goals that start to pop up over time, right? You know, with the video, right? It's like, great. You know, I got a, I was talking to Gary Riddell and I was like, hey, he was encouraging me. Hey, you need to start a YouTube channel. And I was like, okay, well, how do I do that? Right. And like my micro goes yep. became, how do I learn editing? Uh, how do I learn lighting? Still learning that one. You know, how do I, uh, <laughs> how do I learn about the right audio? Right. We were talking about that before, like still messing that up. And so it's all along this, it's like, where are you learning and just trying to drive things forward a little bit more? And like that for me is, it's all about, you know, that saying of like, fall in love with the journey, not the destination. And I think for most people, when they hear that, it's just like, ah, that's complete BS, right? And it's really hard to understand <laughs> it unless you're in it, right? And like, for me, this is about falling in love with the journey. It's just like, what new skills can I learn? How can you compile all these things together? And where does that take you after that? And, you know, that for me is, you know, that's the goal is just like, see where this thing can go and just kind of see what opportunities pop up as a result. That's the way to go. I think that's uh, a personification of being a craftsperson is someone that is enjoying the craft rather than the final product. Like you kind of have to get married to it, fall in love with it, be upset with it, fall in love with it again, just like you would any good old relationship. You know, and when you think back, on some of those hard times that you've had, uh, what comes up? What are some of those uh, obstacles that you run into? Yeah, I, I'll tell you even just a month ago, uh, it's like LinkedIn changed something. And it's, I saw all of my stats just tank. Like to the point where at, there was one one weekend in particular, I'm looking at it, I was like, I've, I'm, I've literally, it's almost as if I'm not doing anything on LinkedIn. And so, <laughs> you know, that that was a valley. Right. And, you know, that is just yeah. like you, you, you just automatically start questioning, like, why am I doing this? Is it worth it? Because it's a lot of work. Right. And so for me, uh, it's like it goes back to grounding myself. Right. It's just like I'm not doing this for the number of followers. I'm not doing this for the number of impressions or you know engagement. Right. Like the underlying mission is I have something to say that's going to help somebody. And that helps me push it forward. And like without the systems I've created, I probably would have quit years ago, right? And I'm a year's guy. I've probably been doing this for a year and a half at this point. Uh, I was literally, I write all my LinkedIn posts down uh, in, a, a, in a Google Doc. I looked the other day, it's mm -hmm. 200 pages long, right? Like mm. that's the type of stuff, that's a system, right? And so for me, yeah. like if I didn't have this system where I could just really refine it, uh, yeah, like anyone would quit. And I think that's where I see a lot of people just give up because like it is a lot of work. And when you just rely on willpower, you are going to fail. Like, I, I don't know. I'd love to hear your perspective on this. But like, I hear people all the time like, man, I want to start. Uh, I want to start doing some LinkedIn posts. I want to start a YouTube channel. I was like, great, go do it. 
build your system first. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. I'll definitely do that. And then it's like they they cave after like two weeks. They're like, oh, this is too much work. I don't want to do this. It's like, yeah, it is a lot of work. And without that system that you put in place, it's going to make it a lot harder. I've seen I've seen the process break down on both sides, trying to jump right into just recording without having a system and then sometimes jumping in and trying to build like an awesome system without the the sheer interest or desire to record anything and put anything through the system. Yeah. And it's, it's a grind. And one thing that happens a lot in the world of podcasting, and I would imagine it's the same in uh, video or blogs is pod fade after about six episodes or so you just fade into the ether and are never seen again. I think that is something that is likely to happen to a lot of people, but that's okay because what you're describing as your intentions is, uh, is I think how everyone should get started with content because they found an opportunity that they just couldn't ignore, whether it's helping people getting their voice for the first time, or even just uh, trying to explore something new creatively. Exactly. And all those other opportunities come, right? Like, you know, I'm not saying that I don't do things that, that are monetized, right? Like that definitely happens. Uh, but to your point, right? I didn't start there. <laughs> like, if I did, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where that would be. And it's like, you know, it's skills compound off of each other. And I think that's the key oh, yeah. is as you build these little skills over time, whether it's editing, whether it's, uh, you know, script writing, right? Whatever that is, or, you know, even just knowing how to run a podcast, right? Like that is a skill and you have to let these things compound over time. And if you go back and look at my first video posted on YouTube, like, oh, I'm embarrassed by it, right? Like you need a good laugh, go look at that one. When I did that, I wrote a script, but I didn't know how to edit. So I literally just went straight through, no cuts, anything. And I was like, I thought that was brilliant, right? It was terrible, yeah. it was absolutely terrible. So, you know, I don't do that anymore. You know, you've got, I got a system for writing scripts. I know how to edit now. And so, you know, I think that's the key thing is like, you got to understand you're not going to get it perfect right off the bat and that's okay. And you should be embarrassed by what you've done even two months ago, because that means that you're growing and you're building more skills that are just compounding off each other. Yep, exactly. You have to be at least slightly, slightly embarrassed. Uh, one thing that I saw in startup school uh, from Y Combinator is that you have to constantly be launching as well. Like the first time you put out an episode, that's a launch. But the second episode you put out is also a launch. The third piece of writing that you put out, that's another launch. And you're just continually launching. There's really no start or stop. One thing that you said that I think everyone should hear is that you are so intimately ingrained into whatever it is that you're putting out the videos the written stuff you're doing the writing the editing the the advertising the promotion the engagement um so what has been the biggest milestone for you there was it learning how to edit or was it something else so i would say there's two things uh one is definitely learning how to edit because it you just see the world differently and it opens up a lot of different opportunities but I would say that's from the technical standpoint. From an actual content creation standpoint, I think the biggest thing was you don't always get to make what you want, right? In a perfect world, everybody would love my attack breakdowns and it would just do so well, right? And in certain platforms, that does well, right? Like LinkedIn, not too bad. Right. You know, it does pretty well. Uh, you know, I think my highest performing post was an attack breakdown for uh, 
uh, one of the, I think it was a Cisco hack. Uh, you put that on YouTube, man, total disaster, right? And so what I learned with YouTube in particular was you're just building for a different audience. And, oh, yeah. you know, I, uh, I remember a conversation I was having with my wife earlier this year. You know, I had experimented to your point, right? Like everything is a launch. Every video I launch is me running an experiment to see how does it do? Because I'm tweaking something in every single aspect or every single video. And I'm looking at the results for that. And so I remember saying, uh, telling my wife, like, hey, you know, these videos on password managers are, are like really killing it, right? Like if, if I look back at my history, this video in particular is just absolutely outrunning everything else. And I said, you know what? I, this, at this point, I wasn't monetized on YouTube. I said, you know what? I'm going to get monetized now. And I'm just going to double down on this stuff that I know works. And so I started doing a slew of videos on password managers. Did I think I was ever going to be doing videos on password managers? No, absolutely not. And to this day, I still don't really understand why I'm doing that, right? But you have a large audience, you have a need, and you have people that are just genuinely curious, right? Like I truly believe, going back to my kind of core mission, I truly believe that if you use a password manager, you are going to be less likely to get hacked. And so if Thanks. I can root that in everything I'm doing, I can still experiment around that and you just build off of that. And now, you know, I was looking this morning, the top three videos I have, top four videos, all related to password managers, right? Never, if I started out with that goal, I, I wouldn't have, right? But it's like, I, I probably would have failed. And this is just about, you know, do something, run an experiment, create some really good content that you're proud of at that time, Right. Don't be don't release something if you're really embarrassed by it that day. That means you need to work harder. Right. But like release it, monitor it and tweak your next thing and always improve. And then you'll see like it just kind of takes care of itself. But, you know, to your point before, right, like this is just it's a long game. You're not going to win in the first year. You might not win in the second year either. But, you know, if you stay consistent and improve over time, it's going to really kind of work itself out. It's kind of like a war of attrition here, right? Like the people yeah. who pay attention and, and survive the longest are the ones that are really kind of stuck with the biggest market share. That's so true. It's tough. It's tough. I think even when you're just trying to build your social media following, like let alone creating a YouTube page or a podcast on a podcasting platform, like just to create your, create your personal brand, that still takes a lot of work. And a lot of the times like you're describing, whether it's editing or um, learning that, hey, you know, I'm going to do some research on my my audience. Those are somewhat of intended setbacks because you have to pause at that point, do a little bit of assessment or analysis or, or education and then start taking those steps forward. You know, so when you think about intended setbacks, uh, what other ones come to your mind? Like you mentioned um editing and then there was also uh like doing some audience analysis what was uh another thing that you intentionally went into that you that you knew wasn't going to help the content but was going to help you in the long long run so uh, this is going to sound weird uh but i never liked max <laughs> what i never liked max <laughs> i know and so like you know i i'm an android guy right uh but when I started realizing, you know, where I was starting to get some traction and stuff uh, in, in, ed in editing in particular, I was like, you know what, uh, I can continue to use my Windows machine for this, but 
I was seeing like there's a reason why most creative people are on Max, right? Like it just I can't believe I'm going to say this. <laughs> it just works better, right? There we go. Yeah. On the record. I, there are some people who are going to take that and just like, you know, put that back in my face and that's okay, right? But, you know, I think at the end of the day, like I I had to make this transition and uh, it was a painful transition. Uh, and this was something where I literally stopped editing for a month because as I transitioned from Windows to Mac, everything broke. Like all of my systems broke. Like I had all like, you know, even just using, I use OBS, right? Like using OBS for recording on Windows versus a Mac, very different. And all of my yep. settings got screwed up. And like, I mean, to the point where like, I literally couldn't edit because it was all these performance issues. I thought I was gonna, I was like gonna throw my Mac out the window and think that I was gonna prove <laughs> everyone right that Macs weren't good. Uh, and then I just realized, hey, like, let me take a step back and kind of reevaluate the situation here. Uh, and I was able to figure out like some configuration issues that were totally my fault uh, and get it going, right? And it's like, the second that cleared, my systems were back, I was back in the groove and I was able to, you know, pump out stuff at the, the pace I was before. Um, so like, you know, I think that's like a, one, that is an intentional experiment that, of running, like of actually switching some of my systems and, and hardware and stuff. And like, that was a bit of a disaster but you kind of work through that. And then outside of it, like I'm running an experiment right now. I don't want to be making password videos for the rest of my life, right? And so, you know, I tested something out on LinkedIn last week. Uh, this was around, you know, how do you secure uh, Google, right? There was a new feature that Google, not even a new feature, Google like started at pushing out more on this enhanced safe browsing. And it did pretty well. And I was like, okay, let me see how this translates to YouTube. Right. And so like I go through kind of that thought process again. Right. You know, checking the audience. Right. All right. Well, there's a lot of people that use Gmail. Right. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people that use Chrome. So I've, I've got a wide audience there. Uh, and then, two, it's like I look back at some of the other videos that I've done semi related to Google. Uh, this was on past keys and they were starting to take off. And so it's like this has a, a high chance of failing. But let me test it out because it could unlock this whole other slew of videos that I could be creating, um, and we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's doing okay right now, but you know, we're going to track that over you know the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, and see where it goes. But to me, like that's just you're just making these bets, right? And there's a concept that I absolutely love uh, from Jim Collins. Uh, Jim Collins is a, a big uh, writer on businesses and just, you know, do they like how do they fail and the good ones, how do they succeed? And so right. he has this concept in there of uh, bullets before cannonballs. And so the idea here is that, you know, let's say you're on this ship, you have a set amount of gunpowder and you've got an enemy ship coming in. So you can use all your gunpowder and shoot your biggest cannonball, but you don't know if it's going to hit or not. So the idea here is take a little bit of gunpowder and shoot a few bullets to kind of narrow in where the where it is, right? You know, make sure that your trajectory is right, make sure that you're hitting the target, and then once you have that, shoot the cannonball, right? And so hmm. if you apply this into the content game, right? Use some of your platforms where, you know, it's not that big of a lift to try to test something out, right? So for me, LinkedIn is is where I have the biggest following. So like I will put some things out there on LinkedIn, knowing it's a different audience, but just see what resonates. And when I get that thing narrowed in, great. Now let me take that 
and I'll take a medium-sized amount of gunpowder and try it out on YouTube to see what resonates. And then once I've got it and I've got that feedback, go all in, right? Like that's the story of the password managers, right? Started with LastPass right. where like that was a, a, you know, that was a whole thing. Saw some traction there, completely ignored it. Like completely ignored everything. But the one thing I did do was create a video on the top three password managers. I think I did that a month after LastPass. That started taking mm-hmm. off and then I ignored it again, right? It's like everything you shouldn't be doing is what I was doing. And then the, I had that conversation with my <laughs> wife and I'm like, you know what? I think there's something here. I'm going to go all in on it. And, you know, you look back historically at it and it's like, yeah, hindsight 2020, it makes all perfect sense right now. Um, but like this is just the fumbles that you have to make to learn. And now it just sounds like I've got this amazing system, but it's like, it's all just like like tinker toys that came together over time uh, and you build the system uh, and it naturally evolves based on you know where you're at in your journey. Exactly. We have some news to share with you, a member of the Hacker Valley Media family. As of 2023, we became a full-time independent cybersecurity media company and we're committed to bringing you the most powerful thought-provoking stories in the field of cybersecurity. And we learn we can't do it alone. We'd love to invite you to our exclusive Patreon community where we host a monthly mastermind where you can meet like-minded individuals in the field of cybersecurity that are trying to be more creative and be the best version of themselves that they can be. We would love if you took a second and visited patreon.com forward slash Hacker Valley Studio and we'll see you in the mastermind. And that that's the way that it always works. And it sounds like you're describing like almost doing like a little bit of juggling of content. Like you're keeping this audience happy while you test out new ideas. And then when that new idea is perfect, maybe you'll just blast it all or you'll be reminded from your audience. Hey, I still want some of that password manager. And I think it's all about balance for both sides, whether you're the creator or the consumer, like having a little bit of balance helps uh, both people tremendously. I, exactly, right? And you know, especially if you're in the game of trying to get this monetized, it does not matter what you think or want, right? The people who are mm-hmm. paying, uh, whether that's you know in views or in actual dollars, those are the ones that are gonna dictate where that goes, right? And so the challenge, and uh, you know, maybe not challenge, right? But this is the fun of the game, is how do you keep that one that you know works happy? while still sending out these exploratory probes to see where's that next group that I can create? And then how can you, maybe, maybe you never do this, but how do you bring those together and then just grow that community? Right. Uh, you know, I, there's plenty of people that do that successfully, uh, but I think that's just one of the hardest things because to your point, yeah, it is that balancing act because you know, I've talked to other creators where uh, they're like, I- I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the thing that I talk about. I was like, well, that's not a good spot to be in, right? You know, then, <laughs> then it becomes work. So, yeah, I think in those cases, it's just like, yeah, you got to find that core kind of motivation that's beyond just the numbers or anything like that. Right. And when you think about just how you've changed after, you know, putting yourself out there, especially with videos, because videos is a whole different ball game. But, you know, looking back after putting yourself out there, how have you seen yourself change as a cybersecurity practitioner? I think the the biggest thing is is really about the ability to communicate. And this is something that I had always felt that I did good before, right? So I was starting from a decent spot. 
But what's really interesting is over time when you can start to see, you know, what form of communication works well, right? Uh, how do you condense things down? I I am I I I hate I absolutely hate when people are too verbose, right? Nobody has the attention span anymore. Nobody. Right. So whether you're writing content, you know, for for online or you're writing a, a brief for your boss, you have to break this down in the core essence. There's always an opportunity to add more information, but you know, in most cases, you don't need to start there. And so I think that's the the one of the biggest things for me is really like how do you how do you take a very complex thing and condense this down to the limits that social media will allow you? And that's proper communication, effective communication. But overall, it's like, how do you tell an effective story? And I find that is absolutely essential in my job as a CISO, because at the end of the day, I am trying to move an organization. I'm trying to move people in a direction that feels unnatural and might be more work than they're used to. And so you have to be in a position where you can tell a compelling story to get people on board, get them aligned and get them to the destination that you know is the right place to be, but they might not necessarily see that yet. And that's the poor, that, that's the power of storytelling. And, uh, you know, for anyone that's listening, you know, they check out your content, Teach Me Cyber, and they get excited. They're like, hey, you know what? I want to be a little bit more like Jason. I want to be creative and create something that I feel like solves a problem that they previously had. What would be your one piece of advice for them to get started on their content creation journey? So I, I think the biggest thing is build a system that will give you ideas, right? And what I started off with, super basic, I just read the news, right? And I had an impression on what I was reading. It was like that initial reaction. And so that's your spark of inspiration. Right. Like that is your seed right. crystal that you need to tap and just let that thing spread. And so, you know, whatever industry you're in, whether it's, you know, cybersecurity, whatever, like find out where your new sources are and just read that and like tie into what your initial reaction is and write it down. And that's it. Like start with that and then take the first step into posting something. Right. I started on LinkedIn. And then I expanded out beyond that, right? And so wherever you're most comfortable or hell, even wherever you're least comfortable, right? Just take the leap and like post it. And you're going to find that probably no one's going to see it or <laughs> respond to it in the first case. But, you know, once you start getting going and you, you start getting traction, you'll see that it's like that system kind of continues to feed itself. And then you can adapt and evolve based on that. But like most importantly, build a system to collect the inspiration and then build that system to just get in the habit of posting. Sound advice. Build the systems and then take the steps to get started. You can absolutely do it. Everybody is a cyber creator at the end of the day. And that's what makes this industry and you so special. Jason, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to jump on the podcast with us. For anyone that wants to stay up to date, up to date with Jason, teach me cyber check out the show notes or description wherever you're listening or watching and with that we'll see everyone next time